Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back to the Corner of Truth and Courage. Today and yesterday, yesterday officially was Juneteenth. Never heard of that until about three years ago, I think it was. But Juneteenth was a celebration, I think started in Texas, basically to celebrate the emancipation of slavery, the abolition of slavery in our country and the emancipation of the slaves and celebrating, you know, the work of Lincoln. Of course, it cost our country and many white people their deaths to try to bring an end to slavery here in this country. Maybe in tomorrow's broadcast, I'll get into what was the biblical side of slavery. I uh, We were witnessing to a gentleman here, and one of the reasons why he is an atheist, the way he doesn't, why he doesn't choose to believe in God, is because the Bible practiced slavery. God gave slavery to the world. And that's a faulty understanding of the biblical teaching of slavery. And uh, tomorrow I'll get into it, but basically I'll just you know give you the short version of it. And it was one of the ways that God gave the nation of Israel to deal with indebtedness. When a person couldn't pay back their debts, they became bond slaves in order for the debts to be uh, paid for. But they were to be released after seven years with funds to land on their feet. No way and nowhere in the Bible were people who were bond slaves or slaves that was captured by wars with other nations, were to be mistreated and abused. God remind them, remember how it was for you when you were strangers in a foreign land and you were in bondage. You know, don't, don't uh, treat people that way. But anyhow, let me get into slavery here in America and kind of give you some of the story that you're not getting that you should be getting and uh, needs to be taught. Our problem, one of our problems here in our country is that we still live in a hyphenated nation where instead of simply being Americans, we're being, you know, African-American or Italian-American or Irish-American and, and so on. Theodore Roosevelt, 100 years ago, in his famous speech, called for discarding the hyphen that many Americans carried as part of their identity, and I agree with him. It's a big problem for us. He argued that maintaining the hyphen in American society would lead to the eventual destruction of America. Wow. Let me say that again. He argued that that if we continue this hyphenated America, this divided America over our race or whatever, uh, that it would bring about our destruction. He said this, the, the one absolute certain way of bringing this nation to ruin of preventing all possibility of its continuing to be a nation at all would be to permit it to become a tangle of squabbling nationalities. Oh, how right he is there. Louisiana uh, Governor Bobby Jindal, or former governor, echoed this same sentiment, uh, sentiment when he, by what he said about his parents he said they weren't coming to America to raise Indian Americans. They were coming to raise Americans. And I long for the day that we truly in our country would embrace what Martin Luther King Jr. desired, 
1963 when he gave his famous speech there at the Lincoln Memorial in our nation's capital. He said one uh, um, that he dreamed that one day to live in a nation where Americans will not judge, will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. The big problem is that we are still looking at the color. Let me bring you to God's view on this about race. And it's found in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 26. Acts 17, verse 26. And the Bible says, And hath made one blood of all nations, all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth. So all the nations, he's not giving us race, but he's giving us nationalities. But they all come from the same blood, one blood. And they dwell upon the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and their bounds of their habitation. So our nations have boundaries. We are nationalities, you know, a, a global thing of nationalities, but we all have one blood. God only made the human race, not a multiplicity of races. This term was invented by a German nationalist in 1878 when he kind of created this view of three major races coming out of Noah, his three sons, the Shemites or the Samites from the son of Shem, Hamites, which people, you know, hypothesize that this is where the black, you know, the dark continents come from, and the Japhethites, which is where we would be from the white populations and stuff, but the, the Shemites would be that of the Jews and Arabs and, and so on there. And this was an invention of a man. This is, I mean, before 1878, we didn't have this. We can thank Charles Darwin for trying to teach the world that someone of a darker colored skin is less human and more animal-like than other human beings. It's Charles Darwin that brought this to us there. So if you are a supporter of evolution, you're a supporter of, of this ideology that it, you know, that looks at some people as lesser beings as others. You don't get that from the Bible. The Bible never teaches that. Now, the Bible did teach and prevent, although Israel was restricted from marrying outside of their own nationality, it had nothing to do with race. In fact, it's very clearly laid out for us in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3 says, Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter shall not be given unto his son, nor his daughter shall be given unto thy son. For they, why? For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you. And so the reason why God did not permit the children of Israel to marry outside of their, their nationality, which their nationality was also their religion, their faith. God didn't want that to happen because he knew that the wives would lead them to false gods, to other gods. And this principle is given also for us in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Marriage to an unbeliever, for a Christian, marriage to an unbeliever is only going to lead you away from God, most likely, and certainly lead your children away from God and away from salvation. And so it had nothing to do with race, but it had everything to do with your faith. Now let me say this. Juneteenth is about the remembrance and the recognition and the celebration of the end of slavery. Under, of course, we go to uh, that of Lincoln in the Civil War. But there was an earlier uh, abolition of slavery. Our founders, our framers, which the liberals want us to believe that, oh, they were all slave owners, you know, the uh, 40 out of the 63 signers of the uh, uh, Articles of Independence or, you know, Declaration of Independence were all slave owners. And, you know, the framers there, and they're all wicked and evil. Man, three out of four of them, once we were freed from England, we could not uh, bring abolition to slavery in the colonies. We weren't yet a country. We were British colonies. We were under the rule of the crown. And there were attempts by the colonies to try to end slavery, but King George kept vetoing it and stopping it. But when we declared our independence from England, these governors were able to go back to their now newborn states, no longer colonies, and develop laws, and many of them in the north did bring abolition of slavery in their new states. And so we need to understand that uh, when we celebrate the abolition of slavery, we need to also remember that there were uh, our framers who were very much involved in bringing an end to slavery in where they had control. We, we weren't yet a federal government. Now, what is hugely popular today is this teaching of the 1619 Project brought to us by Nicole Hannah-Jones, a writer from the New York Times and New York Magazine. She got a Pulitzer for this in 2020. And uh, she wants to remark that this is really the beginning part of the history of, of, uh, of America. We weren't yet a country. We were colonies. We were still Britain. We were just simply an extension of Britain at that point. But in 1619, yes, that is the official earliest record that we have of slaves coming into um, uh, this part of the world. But how did they get here? Do you know that story? These slaves were actually uh, brought over to this area, to the New World, by the Spaniards. The Spanish were bringing them in and taking them down south into South and Central America and bringing slavery there. And uh, the English captured uh, them from one of their ships around uh, the Caribbean and brought them, stole them from the Spaniards and brought them to Jamestown. Now, it's kind of interesting. I have learned I have ancestry lineage to Jamestown. On my mother's side, uh, my mom is a wisdom. Thomas Wisdom came to Jamestown in the year of 1687. And he was involved in the Bacon Rebellion and was banished to Barbados as a result of that. But um, 
but here we have the first black slaves who made their way into um, into the, what we call the New World, which became America. Again, a British colony. And, uh, and we call that the 1619 Project, the beginning of slavery in America. But what they didn't tell you is about Anthony Johnson. Anthony Johnson is truly the first slave owner in this area. His name's Anthony Johnson. And in 1620, he petitioned the, the courts of, um, of Virginia He came over with slaves, and he asked the courts of Virginia that he might retain his slaves in perpetuity, that they wouldn't, that they were no longer to be indentured servants, like most of the whites that were coming over. They were white servants, uh, indentured servants, kind of slaves, working for four to seven years with the promise that they would be given land and money if they worked for their servant for the uh, uh, Virginia company. So who was this Anthony Johnson? He was a black Angolan from Angolia, slave owner, driver. He was the one bringing the slaves to and selling them, became very wealthy and bought land in Virginia and brought his own slaves over with him. And he's the first one who was able to own his slaves in perpetuity. Anthony Johnson, the first slave owner in America, and he was a black man. And tomorrow I'll give you more background on black slave owners in the South and give you God's view on what he intended for slavery. We'll get into that in tomorrow's broadcast. So join us then at the corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.